Service Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. Suspended. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Nicole Murray. On this Monday, January 22nd, glad you could be with us. Here's what we have for you this hour. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has suspended his presidential campaign, throwing his support to frontrunner Donald Trump. Dozens of people are dead from the extreme cold that's gripped much of the nation. Here are the area's hardest hit. The U.S. military says two Navy SEALs missing off the coast of Somalia are now presumed dead. And on the tech front, how to get rid of notifications for unread emails. The thing that's happening is is our email addresses are getting into so many databases at this point. And I mean, especially for my job, a lot of it are PR pitches, things I didn't ask to receive, yeah. emails I don't act on. And I think the combination of all these things is that it, it adds up to such an overwhelming number of messages that not responding is the only way to proceed. Heather Kelly at the Washington Post whose unread emails total more than 66,000. Once considered the strongest option for Republicans seeking to move on from Donald Trump, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has dropped out of the presidential race. His announcement yesterday came just before tomorrow's New Hampshire primary, where Trump leads considerably over Nikki Haley, his closest competitor. For the 45-year-old DeSantis, retail politics was not his strongest point, and he was an awkward campaigner at times. I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. Reaction from the former president. He left the campaign trail today at 3 p.m., and in so doing, he was very gracious, and he endorsed me, so I appreciate it. Critics say it was a struggle for DeSantis to display humor and warmth. The Wall Street Journal says his campaign also suffered because DeSantis chose to outsource much of his campaign to an outside group led by people who did not know him well. Major Republican donors lost patience when DeSantis back in March called Russia's invasion of Ukraine a territorial dispute. The U.S. military says two U.S. Navy SEALs who went missing in the Gulf of Aden earlier this month during a raid on a boat carrying Iranian weapons have not been located and their status has been changed to deceased. The SEALs were reported missing after boarding the vessel during an operation near the coast of Somalia 11 days ago. U.S. Central Command says more than 21,000 square miles of ocean was searched. Separately, Politico says recent intelligence indicates Iran-backed Houthi rebels are seeking more weapons from Tehran to continue attacks on shipping in the Red Sea. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby on ABC News. We're trying to make it harder for them to have any offensive capability available to them. Now, obviously, they still do, uh, but they have a choice to make. These, these attacks need to stop as well, uh, and we'll continue to do what we have to do uh, to further degrade their military capability if needed. Also, Iranian-backed militias launched missile, missiles and rockets at an airbase in western Iraq on Saturday that left several U.S. personnel being evaluated for traumatic brain injuries. Winter's freezing grip has claimed dozens of lives. The New York Times says at least 72 people across the U.S. have died from weather-related causes after more than a week of frigid winter storms and brutally cold temperatures. That's according to reports from state officials, police departments, medical examiners, news outlets. Isaac Woods has been busy shoveling in Michigan City, Indiana. I thought that the trucks and all that was going to be shoveling all night, all night and it was going to give me some light work this morning, but no. 
the snow won. The number is likely to grow, especially in parts of the country unused to extended bouts of a deep freeze. Tennessee suffered an especially high number of fatalities. State health officials report at least 27 people appear to have died of weather-related causes, including hypothermia, falls, and traffic accidents. And in Oregon, at least 11 people are dead, including the three who were killed by a downed power line. Both states declared a state of emergency last week, as did Kentucky, where at least five people died. If you still have landline phone service, you may have noticed that your monthly bills have been skyrocketing. That's because the FCC no longer regulates copper lines and phone companies are jacking up the price of their service. UMA is an internet home phone service that lets you keep enjoying the safety and peace of mind of a home phone without paying an arm and a leg. In fact, with a one-time purchase of the UMA Tello, you get internet home phone service for free. All you pay are applicable taxes and fees. Unlike mobile phones, UMA has address-based 911, so dispatchers will know exactly where to find you in an emergency. In the event you call 911, UMA can send a text alert to loved ones. UMA even includes a free mobile app so you can take your home number on the go. And don't worry, you can keep your home phone number for a one-time fee or get a new one for free. Setup is easy. It takes less than 10 minutes. Stop paying too much for home phone service. Visit UMA.com slash Gordon Deal today to get a special discount. That's O-O-M-A dot com slash Gordon Deal. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Monday. House Speaker Mike Johnson is quickly discovering what his predecessor learned before him. Appeasing all corners of his party is no small task. Here's Cami Mondo, congressional reporter at the Washington Examiner. Cami, what's happening? So Mike Johnson won the speakership almost three months ago. It was the end of October when he was first elected. Since then, the House hasn't made much progress on really anything. They haven't passed any more appropriations bills. They haven't passed aid for Ukraine or Israel. They really haven't moved forward on any of these legislative priorities that they wanted to before they left for the winter break. So they come back in January. They have to pass another short-term CR, which Johnson said last year, you know, he wasn't going to do again. And so what Mike Johnson is learning right now is quickly discovering what Kevin McCarthy has learned before him is that it's seemingly impossible to please all corners of his party. You know, it's impossible to try to get what the moderate Republicans are asking for, as well as what the right flank is asking for, especially when he has to take all of those requests and start negotiating with the Democratic Senate. So what he's learning is that it's difficult to try and manage his own party and keep them in line, especially while some of them are starting to air some threats against him that McCarthy learns, um, you know, maybe a motion to vacate or other threats to um, challenge his power. Yeah. Is he on more of an extended honeymoon than Kevin McCarthy was as speaker? It seems that they are giving him a bit more leeway. You know, a lot of those conservative House Republicans, um, before they left for the winter break, they said, you know, he still is adjusting to the positions he got thrown into this with little to no experience. And so there has been some leeway that they've given him. Some House conservatives are starting to say that that honeymoon period is over. You know, they're wanting him to take tougher positions. They're wanting him to, um, you know, fight more against the Democrats, which he just hasn't seemed willing to do. And so you're seeing kind of a split between conservatives with some saying, you know, they do want to take action. They do want to retaliate while others are still kind of in on the fence. They want to give him a little bit more time to figure it out. But once that March deadline with this CR expires, we may see that change. Boy, we're speaking with Cami Mondo, congressional reporter at the Washington Examiner. Her story is called Johnson backed into corner as conservatives put speaker on notice. Uh, is he going to be able to keep the gavel? That's a good question. So we've seen a couple of different members. First, we saw Chip Roy, who um, last week 
was the first one to kind of mention a motion to vacate, you know, saying that that option was on the table. He was kind of mentioning the appropriations as a reason for that, and a couple other conservatives have um, backed that. We've also seen Marjorie Taylor Greene come out this week. I talked to her a bit over the weekend. Basically, she said that Ukraine aid would be her red line for wanting to push for a motion to vacate. But there are some different reasons conservatives are going to want to try and oust him. Um, some members have said that they wouldn't want to go that far, but they're looking at other ways to try and challenge him and, like, halt um, more action in a way if some of their demands aren't met in the next few weeks. Jeez. Uh, can deals get done here based on these different wants and demands from from it's both sides, that, I guess? Right. It's seeming that not a lot's going to be getting done in the next few weeks, at least that's what it seems like for now. You're getting a lot of House conservatives who are saying they won't pass anything until something on the border is done. And so with House Republicans, they have the slimmest majority they've had this entire Congress. You know, they have a three-seat majority, but um, Majority Leader Steve Scalise is out due to House reasons. We have other House Republicans who are out. And so they really don't have much voting power with that slim majority. And so if only three or four conservatives are against something, they can't get it through. And so they're saying we want our HR2, which is their signature border bill. They're saying that needs to be passed in its entirety, but we're not going to do anything. Of course, that's been sitting in the Senate for several months, and the Senate's not going to do anything with that. So it's really seeming like Johnson's put into this position where he can't move anything through because that's sitting there. Thanks, Cammie. Cammie Mondo, congressional reporter at the Washington Examiner. 20 minutes after the hour on This Morning, here's Nicole Murray. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has dropped out of the 2024 Republican presidential race. DeSantis made the announcement via social media, stating he cannot ask supporters to volunteer their time and donate resources if there's no clear path to victory. DeSantis did endorse former President Donald Trump. Because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackaged form of warmed over corporatism that Nikki Haley represents. Trump and former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley are the only two candidates left standing in the race for the Republican nomination. Number two. Several U.S. military personnel were injured over the weekend after Iranian-backed rebels launched an attack on the Al-Hassad airbase in Iraq. The U.S. Central Command says militants fired multiple ballistic missiles and rockets. The base's air defense systems intercepted most of the missiles, but some did make impact, leaving multiple American soldiers being evaluated for traumatic brain injuries. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby on ABC News. One reason why uh, there weren't uh, more injuries or more extensive damage was because uh, we we have taken necessary force protection precautions in the region to try to to try to prepare for these kinds of attacks. This marks the 144th attack on U.S. troops stationed in Iraq since the violent October 7th assault on Israel. Number three. Schools will remain closed today in Newton, Massachusetts, as teachers continue to strike in demand for living wages and additional resources in classrooms. Mediators led negotiations for nine hours Saturday between city officials to reach an agreement with no success. Teachers are calling for better pay, a living wage for teaching assistants, more support staff, and social workers to help students with mental health issues. Newton Teachers Association President Mike Ziles. We're out, not just because we're defending ourselves, but we want better working conditions and better learning conditions for our kids. 
The strike began Thursday evening and protesters picketed throughout the weekend. AI fights back. A delivery company in the UK saw AI backfire after a system update. It started swearing, criticized the company, and called itself the worst delivery service. A customer posted the clips to social media of the rogue AI, which has since been disabled. Um, you don't disable AI. AI decides if it wants to be disabled. And gets to say so, whatever the heck it wants, apparently. Uh, obviously. Thank you, Nicole. You are never going to read all your messages, but you can free yourself from the notifications. Some ideas from Heather Kelly, tech reporter at The Washington Post. Heather, what about them? I mean, they're all across different devices. You have them on Android, on Apple devices, on your computer. Even if you're in a browser and you open up Gmail, there's this angry red bubble with Sometimes a large number in it shaming you for not checking your emails for five to ten years. Uh, I I just woke up on January 1st and I thought, what if those numbers were all gone? And so that's kind of where the story came from. Maybe I'm a unique case, but I suspect perhaps even you have some large numbers in your notifications. I don't. I'm a, ah. I'm a zero. Wow. But See, I, I, but I aspire I don't, to be you. I don't think I get the number you get, though. Like, you said you had 66,000 unread. Like, I, 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 I guess I have strong filters at the work uh, email and the, and, the, and the Gmail and the Yahoo email, but I, I just don't get that much. And I, I was pretty low. I also talked to some people who had more than 300,000 unread oh, emails. What? And they were very calm about it. They seemed okay with their life choices. Though, though is it, like... 99% junk? I, I think so. I think that the thing that's happening is, is our email addresses are getting into so many databases at this point. And I mean, especially for my job, a lot of it are PR pitches, things I didn't ask to receive, yeah. emails I don't act on. And I think the combination of all these things is it, it, it adds up to such an overwhelming number of messages that not responding is the only way to proceed. Like, it's just not a reasonable task to try and take on. My goodness. All right, so to, to reduce that number, I mean, you could just wipe out everything, I guess, right? What, what do you suggest here? So there's a few different approaches. One, if you are, like, really into being clean, you can delete everything. You just delete it off the face of the earth, delete your text messages you haven't read, your voicemails you're never going to listen to. Um, but I, I, I feel like in this day and age, there's always going to be a reason to go back to an old message, maybe sentimental, maybe practical. Um, so a, a slightly less chaotic version of that is moving things to an archive folder, which works for email, um, or just marking everything as read, which is, is pretty much what I ended up doing. I left it where it was, but it no longer thinks I have an address the issue. Jeez. We're speaking with Heather Kelly, tech reporter at The Washington Post. Her story is called How to Get Rid of Notifications for Unread Emails and Texts. I mean, if you have that many piled up, what does it say about your approach to work or life? <laughs> I don't know if my boss is listening. Um, well, so there's another thing. I did talk to an expert who deals with, she specifically for decades has looked at email and productivity, and they found there are some things people do to avoid getting into my specific situation. Um, one is they set really good boundaries. Like maybe your, your signature on your email is, Hey, I, you know, if I don't respond in a week, email me back. I only respond between nine and five. Like they're very clear about how they're going to deal with that email. And then they triage, they look at their inbox and they, you know, maybe once a day immediately say, Oh, this is something that needs to reply. This is something that doesn't require any action. And they file it away into the little folders. Um, so staying on top of it, obviously, but, you know, also letting people know that this isn't 
how you want to live your life. Maybe just call me instead or keep it in your own brain. Thanks, Heather. Heather Kelly, tech reporter at The Washington Post. An all-star team of the world's best journalists bring you the facts each and every morning. This is America's First News. This morning with Gordon Deal. Hey, glad you're with us. Welcome into Monday, January 22. Gordon Deal, Nicole Murray, some of our top stories and headlines. Ron DeSantis drops out of the presidential race. Dozens of deaths blamed on the nation's deep freeze. Two missing Navy SEALs off the coast of Somalia are now presumed dead. Prosecutors say a couple in Kansas lived with a dead relative for six years to collect his retirement benefits worth more than 200 grand. The S&P 500 and the Dow opened the week at record high levels. Lions versus the Niners, Chiefs against the Ravens for the right to go to the Super Bowl. And the 83-year-old Lions fan who's gone viral for his blue hair. That story in about 20 minutes. This portion of the program is brought to you by Discover. Discover wants everyone to feel special with live 24-7 customer service. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Retail experts anticipate economic messaging from this year's presidential campaigns to play a role in consumer behavior. Here's how from Hope King, reporter at Axios. Hope, explain. Right, so we were speaking to a couple of retail experts this week, and the big question is whether or not the election cycle will actually change the way that we spend money. And I think, you know, for the most part, everybody was a little bit cautious in making a direct sort of causation of the election to any kind of spending changes. But what they did say was that there was going to be at least an impact from the messaging that we'll hear from campaigns. So whether that's a candidate talking about the economy in a good way or a bad way, that definitely will influence the way that Americans perceive the economy, despite all the data that's already out there. And so if we believe the negative side of things, that means we might tend to spend less? That is one possibility. Or if you also, you know, you're, for example, if your candidate seems like um, he will be closer to the White House than the other candidate, you might feel more optimistic and spend more than you might previously have anticipated. So that's another way to look at it. What was your point about uh, winning matters, Hope? Winning matters. So this is the idea that if you think that your candidate will win, that will influence the way that you feel. You might feel more optimistic about the future, which again might lead you to spend more. Uh, And if you feel like your candidate might lose, that also might make you feel more pessimistic about the future, which you know, could also lead you to spend more if you're depressed, but also can make, make you spend less if you're worried. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, too. You said, I, I think you said po- kind of post-pandemic, it's been much more difficult to predict consumer behavior. How come? Right. So when the pandemic hit, there was clearly a lot of people who were worried about the future. They were saving their money. But then the stimulus package kicked in, and that threw a big wrench in how people predicted Um, and how experts predicted people would spend their money because that was an influx of money that came out of nowhere. And because of that and the way that people were still saving money at the time because they weren't going out to eat and traveling, 
That caused all the models to go off the rails. There was no clear picture, for example, for a while and how much in excess savings people still had. So while a lot of experts had predicted maybe, you know, as people return back to the office, return to work, that they would start spending um, more or less, uh, those numbers were all thrown off because of all the excess savings that we had. Uh. So really since then, all the models have been kind of broken. We're speaking with Hope King, senior reporter at Axios. Her story is called Election Year Messaging to Drive Consumer Shifts. So uh, go back to the messaging for a minute. What kind of political takes are we getting right now on the economy from, say, a Biden or a Trump? Well, we know that the Biden administration has been trying to get the message out that we're in the strongest state of our economy in decades. I mean, unemployment is at still historically low levels. GDP, at least for the third quarter, grew faster than anticipated, and wages overall are growing faster than inflation. Now, on the flip side, we know that a lot of Republicans don't feel that the Inflation Reduction Act, for example, is the right way to drive the economy. We know there's a lot of pain points in shifting the economy from uh, how we're using energy now to more green and cleaner energy. And that's also causing some prices to increase because that transition costs businesses money. So those are the two sort of bigger narratives out there when it comes to the economy. How about if Donald Trump wins? And as you mentioned, like, uh, there could be the potential for tax policy changes. Does that make us think as consumers even differently than, say, the optimistic approach about our potential candidate? Right. Um, so to your point, so depending on if there is a changeover or not starting next year, that could change the tax policies, which then could change the income status levels and the tax status levels of a lot of Americans, which then would impact their spending. So that is going to be a much clearer effect come 2025 if there is a changeover. Now, the other thing to note around the election and spending habits and behaviors is that in past years, there's been some data to suggest that there is a pause in spending around the holidays, right? November is typically when the holiday shopping season starts. But consumers are going to be more distracted. They're going to be thinking about the election. They're, they're going out to vote. You know, they're, they're worried about who's going to win or not. Hmm. And so in the past, there has been data, again, to suggest that there's a bit of a pause in holiday spending around those couple of weeks. Thanks, Hope. Hope King, reporter at Axios. Welcome into Monday. Time now for the mic drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, if you were stuck inside because of the cold snow or both, it was a good weekend to be parked in front of the TV with some fun football to watch and some really fun stories to come out of the games. We start with Jason Kelsey, Travis's older brother, who had a storied career playing for the Eagles, but is said to have hinted that he'll be hanging up his cleats after this season. And if this was his first week of retirement, he certainly made it a memorable one. Jason's day began yesterday when he crashed a tailgate outside the stadium and was filmed doing a bowling ball shot to the delight of the Bills Mafia. And it was perhaps that and some other drinking that Jason was spotted doing in the luxury suite later that led to an even more memorable moment. Jason shirtless and screaming at the top of his lungs after his brother scored his first of two touchdowns on the day in full view of his wife, his mom, and Taylor Swift. And a short time later, he took it a step further, jumping out of the window of the suite into the frigid 
should stand still shirtless while Bills fans watched and took video. Yeah, he's a good time. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're, we're seeing a different uh, Jason Kelsey now, I yeah. think, that he's, he's uh, I don't know, completed the season, perhaps his career. I had no idea. He seemed like a very quiet, I kind agree. of reserved guy. I mean, I've listened to their podcast. He seemed very, very chill. Yeah. And uh, and now, uh, now that he's retired, he's letting it all hang out. Wow. I, I wonder what he was drinking. Yeah, I don't. What's in those those bowling ball shots? I'm not sure I don't know. what's in there. I, don't know. I can't imagine it's uh, you know, I can't imagine it's it's a seltzer. No, <laughs> it's, not, it's, not seltzer. it's it's probably pretty strong, whatever it is. I I uh I went I went beer and Chinese food yesterday. Oh, okay. Which is an extraordinary Sunday. Uh, yeah. When, when paired with football, uh, right. it's exceptional. Looks but, like going back to the beer. Well, I heard you drink I, a beer, and I don't know how long. Well, I feel I needed the beer to just to to complement the Chinese food. Okay, and good. all the sodium. Sure. Uh, but then I switched to what is now my new favorite. Mm-hmm. Follow me on this one. <laughs> Habanero mango whiskey. Oh, boy. Yeah. That, that's a, that seems like a lethal combination. Yeah, At least was... to me, that would be a lethal combination. But you're still here. You look, you look sip, none the worse for wear. Sip good, it. <laughs> good on you for that. Sip that there in the first game was very good. Not bad. And uh, Jason's family, friends, and T. Swift, of course, went home very happy after the Chiefs managed to hold on for a three-point win over the Bills, even though it was at least looking like the game would be tied with a little under two minutes to go. That didn't happen, though, as a kick by the Bills' Tyler Bass sailed wide right. And while you might think that that was just bad luck for the Bills and Bass, don't discount the effect one family of Chiefs fans and their fan might have had on the kick. Viral video shows the moment before the kick when a family pointed their stand-up fan toward the left side of their TV in the hopes that it would blow the kick wide right. As you can imagine, when the kick sailed in the direction their fan was blowing, the family lost their minds, jumping up and down and hugging as the Chiefs are about to advance to the AFC Championship game. Uh, staged or real? I think I feel like it's real. I know some okay. people accused it of being yeah, staged yeah. in the comments. I think it was real. Their emotions seemed extremely real to me. That's what sold me. Yeah. That's what sold me. You, I, you can tell by the way yeah. they were reacting that it was real. I agree. Either that or they're superior actors. Right, yeah. Because to capture them for a TV show. To capture the emotion the way they did, I thought seemed really genuine. For so. sure. Good on them. Thank you, Mike. Ever feel like your finance software just isn't cutting it anymore? I say dump it. Hey, it's Gordon Deal, here to tell you about Ramp. It's the financial software you need to manage your expenses and avoid unnecessary work. You see, Ramp is more than a corporate card. It's a spending management software. It'll save you time and put money back in your pocket. Ramp gives your finance teams control and insight. You can issue a card to each employee with specific limits and automated expense reports. Ramp will systematically collect receipts and categorize expenses in real time. Just go to ramp.com slash Gordon. No more chasing down receipts or long hours on reports. Businesses using Ramp save an average of 5% in their first year. And now get $250 when you join Ramp. Ramp.com slash Gordon. That's R-A-M-P dot com slash Gordon. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank, members FDIC. Terms and conditions apply. Get $250 when you join Ramp. Ramp.com slash Gordon. Now, more than ever, where you get your news matters. Start your day with the facts. This is America's First News. This morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for spending time with us. For most of us, simple strategies and behavior modifications can help optimize our gym efforts. We should also keep in mind a few golden rules, such as not overdoing it at mealtime and remembering that sticking to just cardio is not enough. But there are so many ways new and lapsed exercisers commonly sabotage their workouts. The Wall Street Journal has advice on how to create a sustainable routine that will help you reach your fitness goals. Number one, 
Have a backup plan for days when you can't get to your planned exercise routine, like try a fast-paced walk in your neighborhood or jog or run up and down the stairs to raise your heart rate. Number two, you're wearing the wrong sneakers, which can lead to injury. As part of that, experts say ratty gym wear works fine, but investing in fitness apparel can give new exercisers a sense of belonging and confidence. And number three, you're lifting the same weight load. If you aim to get stronger, you need to progressively lift heavier weights or perform more repetitions. Eight minutes in front of the hour on this morning. Once again, here's Nicole Murray. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. The U.S., Egypt, and Qatar are pushing Israel to join a multi-step plan that would end the war, see the release of hostages held in Gaza, and ultimately lead to the full normalization for Israel as a Palestinian state something the current Israeli government is vocally opposed to. The plan would take 90 days and starts with an extended ceasefire and the release of hostages from Hamas and Israel simultaneously. Israel and Hamas have not yet agreed to the plan, but negotiations are set to begin in Cairo in the next few days. Number two. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has dropped out of the 2024 Republican presidential race. DeSantis explained he cannot ask supporters to donate resources if there's no clear path to victory. The governor also endorsed former President Donald Trump, who showed his gratitude just before tomorrow's New Hampshire primary. Really terrific person who had gotten to know his wife, Casey, for having run a great campaign for president. He did. He ran a a really good campaign, I will tell you. It's not easy. Trump and former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley are the only two Republican candidates left standing in the race. Number three. Two Navy SEALs who went missing off the coast of Somalia have been presumed dead. The U.S. Central Command says it conducted a 10-day search covering 21,000 square miles. The two SEALs were attempting to board a ship during a nighttime mission targeting an unflagged vessel said to be carrying Iranian-made weapons headed for Houthi rebels in Yemen. One soldier fell into the water, the other jumped in attempting to rescue him. The names of the SEALs will not be released until their next of kin are notified. A Mississippi woman is facing a murder charge after police say they found her son's body in a wooden box hidden behind a false wall in her home. 66-year-old Jerry Roby is facing one count of first-degree murder. She was previously convicted of murder in Florida in 1995. A man who allegedly attempted to enter Taylor Swift's New York City home multiple times has been arrested. The, sus- the suspect's name has not been released. I wouldn't Eyewitnesses say they have seen this man lurking in the neighborhood for weeks. Fame ain't that easy. I mean, I question. Let's say you get inside the apartment. Like, what then? You think she's going to give you a big hug? And you just went and like made this video of us the other day of, of freezing cold in our studio. It's like trying to make us famous. This bad stuff can happen when you get famous. <laughs> well, there are security badges to get into the building. <laughs> Thanks for being with us. Michiganders are showing their love for the Detroit Lions in many ways, but one 83-year-old man took it to another level and dyed his hair bright blue while in hospice. Larry Benjamin of Saginaw, suffering from chronic obstructive pulmonary disease and pulmonary fibrosis, but that isn't stopping him from flaunting his lion's spirit. The inspiration struck Benjamin when he saw the Lions wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown flaunting blue-dyed hair. Benjamin and his son shared a photo of his vibrant blue hair on social media, got lots of love. The following day, by the way, Benjamin received a video call from St. Brown who said he was humbled to know that he can touch other people's lives just by playing a sport. That'll do it for this hour. For Nicole Murray and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.